It was an event that came to define Corintown. An explosion. An act of heroism. Accusations of criminal negligence. A non-orphan becomes an orphan. At the center of it all, Cornmart. Hi, I'm Matthew Miner. And I'm Stephen Holmes. And this is Corntown, an investigative journalism podcast brought to you by the SNM Experience. previous weeks, we've struggled to understand the murder of Jaron Deeb, owner of the local corn mart. At first, it looked like suspect Kyle Van Truck would be off the hook with the testimony of his wackadoodle girlfriend, Kyla Van Tractor. She led us to Duncan the Spliff Jones, who she claims is the perpetrator. But after interviewing Duncan, he's obviously innocent. Obviously. Though his face is truly stupid. That is indisputable. Which brings us back to Kyle. If he did kill Jaron Deeb, why? What reason would a promising youth with his whole future ahead of him, who never even finished watching The Sopranos, have to murder his doting boss? What could possibly be his motive? We were stumped, until we delved into Corntown's darker history. This week, we tell the tale of the Cornmart meltdown. Maybe, just maybe, it provides a motive for Jaron Deeb's murder at the hands of Kyle Van Truck. To provide some background, we invited Dr. Pupsenfreud, a distinguished fellow at the nearby Hensel Institute for Maze Studies, to walk us through the event of that fateful day. Dr. Pupsenfreud, thank you for your time. You're quite welcome, Matthew and Stephen. It's a pleasure to be here. This is true. Dr. Pumpsfreud, if I may ask, are you a real doctor like Dr. Phil, or a fake one like Dr. Oz? I'm a real doctor. I received my PhD from Clinton University. Oh, I'm pleased to hear that. I uh, recently acquired an unusual rash that I hope you can take a look at. Oh, I'm not a... Uh, no, I... It's bad. Uh, here, I'll show you. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor. Uh, I study maize. Oh, that's disappointing. But your expertise in mazes is welcome. What is your strategy? I don't follow. I always turn left. <laughs> Works every time. I alternate. Uh, one left, one right. That's the secret. Oh, you gentlemen are talking about uh, mazes. Uh, no, I study corn. So you think you're better than us? What? Uh, no, no, of course not. I, I understood that you wanted to learn about the corn mart meltdown. Honestly, our assistant Dwayne booked it. I just wanted to get rid of this rash, but I guess if you're here, go bananas. The Corn Mart Meltdown was the closest that Corntown has come to being wiped off the map. And I mean literally. Catastrophe was averted, but not without a few casualties. That means deaths. That's correct. The day was May 18, 1988. 
Jaron Deeb, the owner of the Corn Mart, demanded a last-minute safety test to appease the Corn Production Oversight Committee. He avoided doing them as uh, cost-saving measures, but the CPOC was threatening to suspend Deeb's operation if he failed to demonstrate the required safety results. Okay, uh, let me see if I got this. Jaron Deeb skipped some safety tests to save cash, but then the suits threatened to shut down Cormart unless he did them? Yes, exactly. Normally, such safety tests are routine, but they do take time and are expected to be performed far in advance of the report to the CPOC. In this particular test, they were simulating an electrical outage to evaluate the efficacy of the backup generators. You see, to cool the reactors, one must... Ugh, do you always talk like this? At this point, we paused our interview with Dr. Probsenfreud to see if we could find somebody less dull to explain the Cormart meltdown. Yeah, this dude is super boring. Well, sure. I know all about the Cormart meltdown. Why, I remember Gerald Thompson giving me all the details. You know Gerald, right? <laughs> oh boy, that Gerald, what a character. Me and Gerald, we grew up together, see? Knew each other since we were boys. Our mothers attended the same uh, salami-making club. This was back when uh, Quartertown still allowed salami. Yep, those were the days. Uh, old man Wilkins still ran his backwoods hooch distillery. Every Saturday night, him and Billy Crisp. You know Billy, right? <laughs> oh boy, that Billy, what a character. Me and Billy, we go way back. He used to snort angel dust, me and him. As I was saying, old man Wilkins and Billy. Oh, and Ogden McTavish. You know Ogden, right? The Cornmark meltdown. That was the ska festival they held in 97, right? I recognize you two as a couple of fellow skankers the moment you walked up here. Did you say the Porn Fart Showdown? Is that the new series on Lifetime? Okay, so maybe we do need Dr. Pups and Freud to explain this one. Oh, fine. This episode of Corntown is brought to you in part by the Hensel Institute for Maze Studies. The Hensel Institute for Maze Studies is always working to unlock the full potential of corn, and with your support, we're closer than ever before. Our recent strides in corn research have led to some remarkable innovations in the world of corn-based fibers, corn-based meat substitutes, and corn-based fusion reactions. As with any new corn commodity, we require volunteers to ensure that our corn products are safe and healthy for everyone. If you're aged 18 to 29 and are virile, docile, and not prone to anger outbursts, please contact us at research at HIMS.corn. The Hensel Institute for Maze Studies, making corn better for you. <sighs> okay. We're back, so just tell us what happened. In short, Deeb insisted on a frankly unreasonable deadline by which to complete the safety tests. To meet it, corners were cut. Inevitably, something went wrong. The power in reactor number four dropped to zero, which caused a steam turbine to overheat some kernels. 
You trigger the chain reaction. Ugh. Still boring. Okay. Well, anyway, a corn reaction is one of the most dangerous events known to mankind. An overheated kernel pops and hits another kernel, which in turn overheats and pops, which hits another kernel, and so on. You know how a bag of Orville Redenbacher's expands to ten times its size in the microwave? We only Jiffy Pop. Microwaves were invented by the Illuminati. Well, it's bad, is my point. If all four reactors melted down, Corn Town would be covered in 100 feet of hot popcorn. But that didn't happen. Thankfully, no. We have one man to thank for that. Hmm. Jesus. Well, if you insist. But I'm talking about Carl Van Truck. Carl Van Truck's daddy. He was the head husker. He had booked time off to honor Queen Victoria's birthday, as was his custom. But on the night of the incident, Deeb insisted that he be on duty. <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat that? About Carl Van Truck being the head husker? Uh, no, that part about him being... Uh, <laughs> Uh, about him being on duty? <laughs> duty. Duty. <laughs> duty. <laughs> you know, Dr. Pups and Freud, you're all right. Um, well, thank you. Yes, uh, Carl Van Truck was on duty. <laughs> he opposed the rushed safety tests. He was a careful, methodical man, and he understood the dangers of what Deeb was demanding better than anybody. And what did Deeb say about that? According to witnesses, the two men engaged in a heated exchange. Ventrak threatened to alert the CPOC. Deeb threatened to fire Ventrak and promised he would never work in Corntown again. Ventrak eventually relented, and so they ran the rush safety test. They did. As I mentioned, a chain reaction started, and it quickly became clear that their situation, and indeed that of every resident in Corntown, was dire. Before Reactor 4 melted down and the reaction exceeded the point of no return, Carl Van Truck valiantly entered the core and released the emergency butter reserve. And that stopped the reaction? It did, but not without endangering his life. He was scalded by five kiloliters of molten base oil. Doctors think they could have saved him, but he was so slippery that the paramedics were unable to load him into the ambulance. He passed me hours later. He died a hero. Carl Van Truck was a non-orphan his entire life, until that fateful night that took Carl Van Truck's. Then, he became an orphan. Afterwards, perhaps out of guilt for his role in Carl's death, Jaron Deeb became something of a father figure to Kyle. He gave him a job, taught him how to shave, how to kiss properly when the girl has braces. He coached him to his corn on the cob eating victory. From the outside, it looked like they were fast friends, the past forgiven and forgotten. But could Kyle have blamed Jaren for the death of his father all those years? Had his desire for revenge simmered like Carl Van Truck's skin after encountering bats of hot butter? It seems plausible. Losing a father changes you. I would know. 
I once lent my father John Misty album to Chelsea and never got it back. A shaky alibi. A sturdy motive. But was it physically possible for Kyle to commit the murder? Next week on Corntown. All right, so we're in front of the Cinecorn Theaterplex. Uh, this is where Kyle's journey may have started. 30 minutes still remain. That's plenty of time to get back. This is looking super plausible. Uh, so the footage was from here. Yep. You guys want to see it? Oh my god. This has been an SM Experience production. Executive produced by Stephen T. Holmes, Matthew Miner, and I'm a Plastic. Episode mixed by Richard Mixon. Theme music, Heaven and Hell, by Jeremy Blake. If you have any information about the murder of Jaron Deeb, email us at thesmexp at gmail.com.